everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Dan's co-host for this week, Jeremy Fallis. Today, we're going to talk about ways in which the organization helps nurses advance in their careers through professional development opportunities. Now, before we get into that, be sure you take the opportunity to go back and get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. With that, let's bring in three members of the team that help advance our nursing practice here at Michigan Medicine. First, let's have them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about your role in the organization. I guess I can start. Um, hi guys, I'm Alexis Punches. I am the Pediatric Educational Nurse Coordinator for the Ambulatory Care Multi-Specialty Areas. Um, my background is always in pediatrics. Um, and I've been with the institution just shy of 20 years. So lots of pediatric experience has mostly been um, both inpatient, acute care and critical care. So now I'm learning the ambulatory care workflow. Fantastic. My name is Ashley Fitz. I am one of three educational nurse coordinators with the Central Staffing Resource Department. I primarily work with the adult general care patient nurses, as well as patient care techs, psychiatric care nurse aid workers, and I partner with my two colleagues, Courtney Keating and Laura Pierce, excuse me, um, to onboard travelers, specialty tents, and help with the other clusters. And I'm Ernie Saxton. I'm the Educational Nurse Coordinator in the Surgical Intensive Care Unit in the Rapid Response Team. Uh, I've been a nurse for about 26 years now, and I started my career in trauma burn here at the university. Uh, came up here to SICU, did some work uh, with quality improvement for a bit uh, during my time uh, with codes and rapid response teams. And then I've been the educator for about six years now. And I work with a colleague here in the SICU. Her name's Michelle Reed. And we do a lot of the onboarding and continuing education with the staff here in the surgical intensive care unit. That's great. So we've learned what all of you do. We haven't learned why you do it. And I do want to get into that a little bit. So can the three of you sort of describe why you all decided to become a nurse educator and Alexis maybe we'll go back to you to start that one. Yeah so I didn't talk about really what I did I just told you about myself so, <laughs> so um my role in ambulatory care um I guess I do some onboarding we haven't had too many onboarding in ambulatory care so a lot of it is helping with policies protocols um just in time learning we've had a few initiatives that come up so kind of those things but why I became a nurse educator, I think overall, I personally, I love sharing knowledge. I love sharing my experience with pediatric patients. Um, and I think over the past almost 20 years, had lots of them, some good, some bad. And I think any interaction is an opportunity to learn. And so I like sharing that with others. Um, I'm also a nurse practitioner and I worked briefly as a nurse practitioner before realizing it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. But in that time, I really saw how like the physicians, they really take time in every shift to take time to educate, whether it's just-in-time education during rounds, and it talks specifically about those patients. And I felt like nursing didn't get that as much, so I really wanted to find a way to help empower nurses to get that education on a consistent basis um, and really empower them to make decisions and build their foundation. Well, I don't know how to follow that up. No. <laughs> um, You're making I me look too good. <laughs> I love to learn myself and I love teaching. Um, I actually used to work in the adult general care, general care cluster 
um, at the bedside primarily. Uh, I was a traveler prior to that. And so I think I wanted an opportunity to share my experience with others as well as continue to learn myself. Um, and the role I'm in now, being split, actually gives me an opportunity to do that. I'm still at the bedside. I also onboard and or do rollout system-wide and unit level. Um, and so I, I just love the thought of it. I actually went back and got a master's in nursing education to try to be the best I could be at it. Um, and then I looked at other opportunities such as an NP, forensic, forensic nurse, um, and none of it seemed to fit me as well. Yeah, I'm probably going to echo a lot of what Alexis and Ashley have said is that, you know, when I started in nursing, one thing I really enjoyed about my job was that every day you learn something different. And even being in the uh, still work at the bedside as an educator, I do sometimes still taking care of patients while doing my other duties as an educator, is that every day there's something new that comes up that you know, people are like, you didn't know that? And I'm like, I, that's the great thing about nursing. It's like, there's something to learn every day. And I really enjoyed that part of my job. And then when I started precepting early on in my career or, you know, helping nurses to learn the, the role and what they had to do, I really enjoyed seeing them grow uh, through their learning. Uh, and it felt good to be a part of that, you know? And so when the position of the educator had come up, uh, you know, I was like, I want to try something different. And that's the other great thing about nursing, right, is we don't have to stay in the same role for ever. You know, if it's a, you know, you have a lot of opportunities being a nurse. And as the educator, I am a little bit more involved with what I like is now I have a bunch of people that I get to see that with versus just a one or two here and there throughout the year. Whereas now there's many people that I, I am interacting with in order to help them uh, get acclimated to our unit, learn the new things that they need to know. Uh, like Ashley said, you know, rolling out new protocols, either institutionally that have come down the pipe or what we've seen and what we need to do as a unit to help take care of our patients better. Um, I think that's the one of the really rewarding parts of being an educator. Yeah, thanks for that. That uh, that those answers—they're wonderful. Uh, and kind of the piggyback on what you were just saying, Ernie. You know, there are lots of things that are special to this uh, organization specifically. So, what makes being a nurse educator at UM so special? <laughs> I, I love this roundtable kind of thing. Uh, I like I was saying, I think it's being able to, as an educator at Michigan Medicine, it's not just about the onboarding and uh, doing the new education of staff to whatever comes up in, the, in the, the practice situations. I think it's about trying to be a person that influences the growth of nurses in ways other than just a bedside nurse or those skills that are involved in patient care. It's about the mentoring and the, the kind of being the change agent, I think, of, think, of people, you know, helping them to see ways in which they can impact the the practice of nursing and not always relying on the educator or the clinical nurse specialists that are in their units. You know, it's about everybody has an opportunity to make a, a difference in the care that they provide. And by being an educator, I can help mentor or coach individuals in that aspect. Um, the other part that I was talking about earlier, as far as seeing their growth 
uh, at the bedside is great, but you know, this gives me an opportunity to be that kind of informal leader where I'm not necessarily their boss, you know, I'm their colleague. Um, I'm not, you know, it's about encouraging them to step out of their comfort zone and try something different. So I, I think that's one thing that's special about being an educator at U of M. One thing I can chime in too is the facilitator role of an educator um, here because with the opportunities afforded, um, for example, I attended a simulation facilitator course training and I was able to run with that and learn from it, but then also share it with others and present learning opportunities for people who learn best in a hands-on environment to grow from that experience as well. Uh, we recently had a CSR code blue team training, which was a simulated mock code for CSR nurses um, that we hope to continue and roll out, but it allowed um, me to learn, to teach others, for them to then improve patient outcomes. So hopefully um, things like that can continue, but that's one of the biggest things with Michigan Medicine and being an educator here for me um, are the opportunities afforded and then that we can share. I would echo that. Um, I think that we all learn different, so it's great to have those different opportunities, like hands-on things that are available here instead of just one way to learn platform. I think it's also great because we have different resources such as each other. Um, you know, there's email groups and different things. So we have support of each other whenever we have a question. It's kind of like the phone a friend that really helps you feel supported. Or if you don't know, you know where to get that. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, for people who might not know exactly what nurse educators do, can you guys talk briefly about, you know, the types of things that you are doing to improve the nursing practice at Michigan Medicine? Yeah, I know I mentioned earlier, and I think Ernie echoed about the systems rollout, but in CSR specifically, we do a lot with system rollout education and competency training, but then we also do unit level development initiatives. Um, support for well-being is one of our bigger, newer um, things that we want to make sure that we're focusing on, too, for our nurses, especially during and following this pandemic um, that we're currently living through. Uh, and then just the role modeling coaching um, type pieces in addition to the onboarding policies and paperwork for us. Yeah, I would agree with Ashley in that. Um, I think the biggest impact we have is, like I mentioned earlier, is encouraging others, like new nurses, to really take ownership of their practice and be able to uh, look at ways that we can implement change at the bedside and then foster that growth in them by, you know, that encouraging of uh, going through the process of developing a PICO question or what's our problem that we want to look at? What literature can we see that would help us to define how to best uh, approach this problem and fit and make practice better, you know? Um, because a lot of times people, when they come, they're like, hey, this doesn't seem to work very well. What can we do differently? And it's like, well, that's a great question. Why don't we go and look at the literature to see what it is that we can do to change our practice to provide that best possible care? You know, so I think, you know, the onboarding, getting them set up, ensuring that they have the resources necessary to be able to get acclimated to their new environment is important. But then it's the next step that, like Ashley was saying, is like going above and beyond that 
the, the task part of our job and really trying to encourage that professional growth within our, our colleagues. I think they kind of said most of it. Um, I don't really have too much to add there. I would just reinforce that. I think it's really important as far as like the onboarding. Um, you have to help them develop a love for nursing. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing if you help them have this initial love early on, then they're going to continue to want to do those things like go the extra step and find out what's better for their patients. So sometimes it's even as little as something as simple as that. Now, Alexis, let's turn this. I'm going to come right back to you on this one. Um, you know, you, you are unique in that you're in an ambulatory outpatient care setting. Um, you know, there's lots of different challenges and achievements that can be had in, in that situation. How do you go about finding those connections, finding those achievements and following through on them? Um, great question. Yes. So it was kind of interesting at first. And one of the biggest challenges is this role particularly um, was new to the university. And since then, there are a couple other ANCs that they've onboarded in ambulatory care. Um, and so I think it's great to get to work with them and have gotten to meet them. And I think together we're kind of making some connections. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's been nice not being new to the institution because different nurses I've worked with have gone different avenues. So I have some coworkers that I used to work with in PD&E, and so sometimes reaching out to them or even using coworkers that are now ENCs in other areas. I came from 12 East and PICU, so tapping into them. And so kind of sometimes they're able to help us overcome those challenges. And so I've also really relied on those connections a lot too. Um, and everyone has been super helpful, specifically in PD&E, about what connections do I need to make or where can they help me if I ask a question, if they're not the person to answer it, who can they reach out to to make that connection or help me make that connection? And so that's been really great. Um, other challenges I face, whereas I know, Ashley, you might have a little bit of this too, but I cover a multi-special ambulatory care. So there are, I think, 17 different clinics within ambulatory care here in pediatrics. And so each clinic is definitely unique. And so kind of helping them navigate what each clinic needs. Some of them are very similar, but they're also very different. And in that my other challenge into switching this role was, as I mentioned, my experience has all been inpatient. So I had the opportunity to come to outpatient and really initially be kind of the novice person and learn from the nurses that I was working with to educate me on their ambulatory care role because I knew nothing about that. I'd been a patient. I, you know, I'm a mother, so I've dealt with them in that role, but really learning the extremes that they go to to make, you know, their patients stay home from the ED to kind of help console a mother who's terrified or nervous, any of that, or even, you know, right now they have all these school forms and just the abundance of work they get and how they just make it seem so seamless. So really kind of appreciating what they do and learning that. Um, some of the achievements, I'm still newer to my role. I've started about four months ago. So it's really small stuff that we're um, working on so far that I'm gonna take achievements for us, kind of making those connections with those nurses. Um, knowing when they reach out to me for questions that they feel comfortable that that's the first step in that. And then, of course, little achievements like some of the policies and stuff that we push through. Um, but most of the work goes back to them and just kind of helping them feel empowered. Was there another question in there, Jeremy, that I missed? You had about 10 questions in there, but I think you covered everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I have a question, you know, when you talk about sort of your roles in empowering nurses, and I'm almost curious at how that relationship works back and forth. Like, what is the rapport like between the nurse educators and the nurses, you know, when you talk about those individual relationships? 
I think it's a give and take. I mean, I think the more that you're present and the more that they see you and the more that they see that you're willing to help them, the more that they give back and the more that they're going to rely on you. So it's kind of a two-way street, I would say. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> sorry, I would have to agree with you on that, Alexis. I think it's about developing a trust so that because new staff come in and they see the educator as an informal leader or really kind of more of a formal leader, even though we're not management, uh, we're here to help them get uh, learn what they need to learn to do their job. So you have to develop a trust with them so that they're willing to come to you when there's problems. If they're really having difficulty with a situation, then you want them to be able to come and have that discussion with you and feel comfortable doing that. And so I think it's about like you said, Alexis, like give and take, like show them that you're willing to be here for them and that you want them to succeed and then and hope that they'll come back to you when they're, if they're having any kind of difficulty. Yeah, I echo that. Um, I think the rapport is a big thing with me and my group of nurses that I work closest with. Um, because we don't hire new nurses in CSR. So a lot of times they're already coming in experience. Um, they already have a workflow. And so it's more so learning the Michigan difference of things. And so maintaining that open communication is huge and support, especially when I do staff, I love to have their support while I'm still at the bedside and they need help with something or if I have a just-in-time moment to be able to help them with something. Um, so I think it's very much that give and take like Alexis and Ernie were saying. So these, this is our final uh, roundtable question for you all. But uh, you know, there, there's lots of things that we talked about that you did in the past. But now let's look forward to the future a little bit. What are you most excited about moving forward when it comes to nursing professional development here at Michigan Medicine? I'm super excited to see what's going to happen. I have only been in this role for about two, two and a half years. Um, but again, I mentioned I was in the CSR department prior to that. And so I've seen changes being at the institution for 13 years of what we used to do to what we're doing now. Um, I'm really excited to see what opportunities will be afforded to us with technology advancement. I mean, even being a part of a podcast is new to me. Never done it. I'm not going to lie. I had to kind of look into what all of it involved. Um, <laughs> but I think that these additional platforms we have are awesome. Um, I'm really hoping we figure out the best way to address the nursing shortage. Um, so then that way we can continue to better support each other um, and make sure that we're all growing. I would kind of echo on that. I'm excited to see the future. Um, I think right now in nursing, not just nursing shortage, but of course coming off of pandemic, I feel like we're at a higher burnout than we've seen. So it's been really nice to see the shifts of recently, I mean, whoever thought so much medicine would be telehealth medicine and so many nurses would be able to work from home. Cause I know when I went to nursing school, like that never even occurred to me that that could be a possibility. Like nursing was kind of at the bedside and yes, there were different changes or different directions you could go with that career, but it's also different. Um, and I like that we're also putting nursing mental health forward. And I would like to continue to see that because I think that's a huge role. I was talking to one of the um, nurses in ambulatory care earlier and just saying like, as far as our kids, like, yep, somebody said, oh, they cut their grass when they were younger. And so like just PTSD from patients you see about like so many kids have lawnmower accidents and different things. Um, so not just like 
our overall work stress, but just things we see at workplace that I think have always, we've just buried and now it's becoming acceptable to talk about. And so I look forward to seeing the progression it makes there too. And I would agree with what Ashley and Alexis have said, you know, I mean, it's a difficult time in healthcare, right? And Michigan medicine is not immune to those uh, challenges that are faced, you know? So, you know, my thing is I'm excited to be, how do we provide magnet level of nursing care uh, while ensuring organizational growth, you know, and recruiting and retaining the best nurses in the region, right? Um, I'm, I want to be part of that answer. And uh, I'm excited about being part of an organization that places value on the contributions of people uh, that provide that world-class patient care. You know, I'm excited to see where patients you know, be part of an organization where patients and families come here because of the nursing care and being a part of uh, being able to teach nurses what that means. And, um, you know, people come here because this is the best, you can get the best nursing care at Michigan Medicine or U of M Health um, as anywhere in the Midwest, heck, even in the country, right? I mean, we, we are the leaders and best, you know, and I want to be a part of that. And I want to continue to be part of developing professionals that contribute to these aspirations, you know, and being provided the resources, like Alexis and Ashley said earlier, those resources that we have to, to, to uh, pull from in order to attract and retain the best nurses and help us to do our jobs in developing those professionals. Um, so like I said, I'm excited to, to see where it goes from tech, tech, technological aspect, but also I think from how healthcare will face these challenges and be able to provide us the resources we need to continue to be the leaders and best. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's definitely a challenge, but I like that you guys, and I think all three of you are saying we want to be part of the solution that meets those challenges. So I really like that and I appreciate that. Thank you so much to all three of you for sharing your perspectives. If you wanna learn even more about nursing professional development at Michigan Medicine, be sure you go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the lightning round. Here we are going to ask one of our guests for uh, four quick fire questions that they have not seen or heard before. And Ashley, since you lost that game of Simon Says before the show, you are on the hot seat. Are you ready to go? <laughs> as ready as I'm gonna be. <laughs> All right. You're gonna not, do great. Yes, she will. She's gonna be amazing. It is not quite officially fall in Michigan, but it feels that way now that kids are back in school, cider mills are open across the region. So what is your favorite fall activity to do around the state? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I actually have a little kiddo and he is back in school. So we do a lot of outdoor around this time, a lot of hiking, a lot of getting out and seeing as much as we can to get him outside and keep him busy. So a lot of outdoor stuff. And Halloween's one of my favorite holidays. <laughs> All right, so switching gears a little bit, who would you say has been your biggest mentor in your career? That's a tough one. I have had a lot of mentors and I think that they've all influenced me at different stages within my career um, between college between staffing uh, additional or original mentors job um, back to school right now I work a lot with the folks over in PD&E so I'd actually have to 
probably name a couple of them, honestly. Um, I, I get a lot from Susan Maycock, Carrie Mardis, Maria Bobo. Um, I guess it's a collective for me right now. I have, I have a team of mentors, which is great. Spoken like a true politician. <laughs> All right, now Michigan football took on Hawaii this past weekend and sort of destroyed them on the field, but it, it sort of spurred this question. Everyone always wants to travel to Hawaii, right? So what is one place that you've never been, but you would love to visit? Greece. I want to go to Santorini. Yeah. That's a quick answer. <laughs> I got it planned, you know, one day after, <laughs> after these kiddos get a little bit bigger, I hope to actually go. Nice. We can talk after this, Ashley, and give you some tips. I was there in June. All right. So oh. finally, what is one place of advice, uh, one piece of advice that you would like to give young people looking to get into nursing? Ooh, um, look to the future. Uh, definitely, if you're interested in it, go ahead and pursue it. Do what you can do, even now. Um, I came from a primarily single parent household and financially nursing is tough, let alone the actual learning of nursing. Um, so dig in, reach out to people, do what you can do now and just try to have fun with it while you're learning it. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for playing along and thank you to thank all you. three of our guests today for discussing nursing professional development. Once again, if you want to learn more about that topic, you can go to headlines at mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. And while you're there, you can check out our other featured stories this week. For instance, readers were introduced to the organization's new chief quality officer, Brooke Watts. And there was a feature in honor of World Sepsis Day when team members reflected on the progress made in improving sepsis care here at Michigan Medicine. Uh, find that all and more at mmheadlines.org. All right, Jeremy, now we asked Ashley about her dream travel destination. And as you hinted at, you did a little bit of globe trotting earlier this year. So what is one place you still want to go that you haven't visited yet? Dan, to only pick one place is, is cruel. Um, I mean, I, I would love to go, go to Africa. I've always wanted to go to South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, do some sort of safari, see the coast, see the jungle, see the desert. And, and it's just a completely different world than we ever get to visit. So that would be my answer. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, um, well, that's actually a really interesting answer that you just gave. And now I'm rethinking everything that I had thought of. But um, for some reason, I'm really interested in like Australia and New Zealand going over there. Um, the travel seems awful getting there, but I feel like it would be more than worth it uh, to get to that side of the world. And I'm also a little afraid of what kind of bugs and the size of the bugs that I would see over there. But I still want to go there um, and, and see that part of the world. So that would be my answer. Uh, you'll love it when you get there. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, it's time for the weekly trivia contest. Uh, last week, we asked listeners, what year was the Michigan Medicine Wellness Office created? And the answer is 2019. So congratulations to Maggie Callahan, who sent in the correct answer. And so for this week's question, go ahead, Dan. All right. This week's question is, what is considered to be the number one preventable cause of death worldwide? Once again, what is considered to be the number one preventable cause of death worldwide? I'm going to give you a hint. You could find it in this week's sepsis article in headlines. And once you know the answer, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize.
All right. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much to our wonderful guests for joining us today. And thanks as always to our listeners and viewers for everything you do for our patients, families, and for each other. We will see you next week.